Oh. Um, about that but um we're working with uh story quest through the star center at washington college and we're um compiling a uh, oral history database of uh, stories of people living in chestertown during world war ii um so first off just you know state your name where we are what day it is just for record keeping my name is tom mulligan we're in um, my home in Fairleigh, maryland and uh today's date is the 10th of june 2015. Um, this is the first question. Um, I guess it was your father that was was a veteran, correct? Correct. Or um, my father, at the age of 17, okay. um, was on a woodpile in the farm, and that's the day that the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. And he's told me this story several times. <laughs> where he just literally threw up the axe after he heard his father say the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. He said, hooray, that means I don't have to be on this woodpile anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, he wanted to <laughs> fight a war <laughs> in order to escape yeah. a woodpile. But um, again, he was only 17, and he was the only male child of my uh, grandfather. Um, he had two sisters, both of them younger, but the oldest male was going off the war at the age of 17, he needed my grandfather's permission. Now my grandfather immigrated here uh, from Ireland and his he went through Ellis Island at a very young age, but he fought in uh, three wars for America. Uh, he fought in, um, he chased Pancho Villa across the border, um, whatever war that was. He also, um, fought in the Crimean War, I believe, okay. and then World War I. Now, after World War I, he went over to Ireland again. But much like my grandfather on my mother's side, since they were allies with the Brits in World War I, they were told to leave Ireland because it wouldn't be good and they would lose their life. Especially my um, grandfather on my father's side was from um, Northern Ireland. He was from Armagh. Um, well, um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, where your father served, what division he was in? If you know anything about my that. My father was um, in a bombing crew. He was a bomber for B-12s. Um, he... Uh, he flew with a pilot by the name of Dick Luscombe from New Hampshire. Um, but I do not recall what squadron. Um, but his final mission was going to be a death mission. but And they were all aware of that. But then the decision was made to drop the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And that ultimately, you know, unnecessarily, you know, took away his mission. But he was convinced that he was going to die at that, you know, with that mission, as they all were. Um, what was that mission supposed to be? I'm not exactly sure. Okay. It, it, because my father was, um, he was a, a very big history buff, but he didn't like to talk about himself. You know, he would talk about FDR or he'd talk about Patton and tell you what they were thinking and be right. But when you asked him about, you know, his feelings or his emotions, it, it wasn't something to be discussed. Was it something he just didn't want to talk about out of uncomfortability or? I don't think it was that as much as that he didn't, he wasn't, un he, he loved this country. He loved God. And it, that was, so he was very comfortable with who he was, but he wasn't comfortable he, he felt like he was bragging because not everybody back then back then it was different than um today if you um if you did not have a chest full of medals that was good you know because you didn't try to draw too much 
it was more for the team. It was more for the uh, squadron. And he didn't fly the plane. He just dropped the bombs. Mm -hmm. So when you ask him, do you, do, were there any fatalities from your droppings? He just, I don't know, and I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Do you know if he was in either the Pacific or a European theater? He was in the European. European? Yeah. Okay. Um, you can tell us a little bit about, do you know anywhere in uh, specifics about where he flew over? Germany, Poland, France? I think most of them were Germany. Okay. I'm, um, I'm almost positive about that. Well, going down that, the German track, um, so you know a lot about the German POWs in Chestertown, if you want to start talking about that. Those are neat stories. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't even hear about it until 1990. Um, wow. Because I... Um, I graduated high school in 82. I went down to the Citadel for two and a half years. I then jo joined the Army for two more years. With the GI Bill, I graduated from Salisbury. So that whole time took eight years, you know, four-year education, eight years. Um, in 1990 was when I graduated, and my mom was, um, she had cancer. and. For my graduation present, she wanted me to take her ticket that she had um, had for with my father to go over to Ireland. Mm -hmm. It was a Christmas present, but she knew she was going to die, and sure enough, she did. She passed away in August. Um, I graduated in May. She passed away in August. Dad and I, because she made us promise to keep that um, <clears throat> trip, um, we went over in October. But I tell you that to tell you this. When I found out I was going to go to Ireland and we were also going to see parts of Germany, we intended only to be in Germany for two days. But that's when my aunt came over and she said, Tom, there are some letters that you need to see. These are from um, POWs who used to keep in contact with your grandfather. And she gave me four addresses and I wrote, to all four of them saying that we were going to go be in Germany. And I only got a return reply from one who was Erwin Bernat, who uh, he wrote, um, we got your message that you're going to be in Germany. Um, two days is not enough. Please extend your visit for at least a week. <laughs> a month would be better. <laughs> you will be our guest and we will take you to the different regions that we, where we live so please so we did extend our visit for a week we lopped off some of our trip to Ireland and went and saw him for a week and a wonderful time but um, that's how I found out about the POWs um, my aunt went on to tell me because I was curious I was like why is granddad writing to people in Germany I mean what, what's going on I knew my grandmother was was German She's the only German in the in my four grandparents. She's the only German. Everybody else is Irish, um, so we didn't recognize her. <laughs> but uh, um, that's when my aunt explained to me that you know Churchill had POWs. Um, they were the German POWs. It was important that they kept the POWs from Germany and POWs from Japan separated at total different facilities because they would kill each other. Yeah, um, Hitler was uh, very upset <laughs> um, when Japanese when Japan bombed Pearl Harbor because they woke a sleeping giant. Um, we were neutral; we weren't going to be involved in the war. Although we were aware of what was going on, uh, FDR did not want to enter into the war at that time without something devastating. Even when uh, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, he was asking the question over and over and over again. Are the Germans involved? Does Hitler have anything to do with this? Um, and they didn't, and that's why Hitler was, that's why Germany was so mad at, at Japan. But literally they would kill each other. Yeah. Yeah. And ironically, I mean, we all know Patton and Rommel were, were buddies. They played chess together. They, you know, they were friends. Um, back then, you know, the soldiers would literally, you know, 
wave at each other in the morning and then take aim at each other in you know if there was anything there was a mutual respect it wasn't a hatred um you know it it wasn't it was just you know one side against another you know. if, um, so the guy that you um went in, uh, to see in germany was a pow for no, one of your family's farms or yeah he um he and the others i i guess they had um i think i know of at least four that they had okay um before you wrote two right um and jenny explained to me that um the rules were you could use the labor from sunup to sundown um as long as they only were to eat the bread that they were provided and the water that they were that's all they could have well my grandfather you know like i said he fought in world war one <laughs> he he knew the difference between right and wrong and he knew how to treat people and he also knew that you get better work from people who are well fed than you do from people who are hungry so uh what mom and granddad did was they said okay well look this is what we're going to do we're going to feed you but at you know they knew when the um when the guards came and checked up on everything and after they left then a uh, line was formed at the milk house around the house so it was out of a plain view and that's where they would come through and they would get whatever my mom had cooked and um you know they were treated like human beings um then they went back to work and at the end of the day they left and of course they had drank their water and ate their bread so nobody was the wiser and that's how granddad and grandma or my mom were able to keep them but after the war um and we really we kicked the heck out of germany we really did i mean we wouldn't harm the castles or the palaces we were told not to but um there was a lot of demolition <laughs> done to that um and the pow's returned to nothing and also very ashamed um so they had no clothes and my mom and granddad would send them clothes and whatever they could you know they weren't wealthy by any means but um you know they had extra clothes and stuff like that do you know if any of them stayed around um over on the u.s that you might have that interacted with i know a lot less about this i i know that some of the um like i said grandma our mom was german and i'm finding out bits and pieces even later um there was a few uh Austrian refugees, um, some Germans that did hang around. How much contact was that? I, I don't know because my granddad died in ninety in eighty two, when I was down in, in uh, at the Citadel, along with my grand. And I didn't even know about those questions to ask at that time, because again, much like my father, my grandfather really didn't talk about himself. Mm -hmm. He just he just didn't. He um, I know he liked a lot of professional wrestling <laughs> you know and he loved you know i mean he, he would talk about me he would talk about our family but he wouldn't talk about himself unless you pointedly ask him a question you know where were you on this date you know? yeah. okay emma do you have any you want to ask i mean um well yeah so what happened when you went to germany with the um person that you were dating it was it was really remarkable you know especially you now it's 25 years ago but a lot of it is still vivid and especially the first night when we got there um he uh erwin opened up with a uh a toast he wanted to first his first question was do you drink champagne <laughs> and dad's like sure <laughs> and i was back then it was my drinking days and um he wanted to make a toast and he said that it was, and he's taking his time to do this and my father's not one who's very patient or yeah. Yeah, he passed away so you know after waiting a few seconds you know that's like i want this champagne so he goes <laughs> down the hatch or, or salute or something like that and starts drinking and what mr Bennett was trying to do was he was doing everything with a german english dictionary uh, so he was he and he made this wonderful speech saying uh how sorry he was about my mother passing away and how
how sorry he was about uh, my grandfather passing away many years ago. But uh, of a tribute and great thanks, that, you know, um, to both my grandfather and my grandmother. You know, he um, had a wonderful uh, week planned for us, and he took us to a lot of different locations, a lot of Black Forest regions, um, Heidelberg, um, uh, Baden-Baden, um, different areas that I would have never even dreamt to see, but I'm so glad I did. Um, but it was also during the time, and this is, it's not really an, a regret, but if I could have been two places at one time, I would have been there with my father and Mr. Benat as well as in, in Berlin, um, because that's when the wall was coming down. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, that was right around then. Yeah. Crazy. And so I was asking him, I was like, hey, can we go? Because we had a night where he was like, well, you know, we really didn't plan anything for tonight. Is there anything you would like to do? And I said, uh, let's go to Berlin. And he said, I'm sorry, that's impossible. It's about 100 miles away. I'm thinking, you know, Ocean City is 100 miles away. <laughs> I'll hitchhike. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he was such a nice man and such a dear, sweet. I didn't have the heart to say, dude, <laughs> I'm going to Berlin. <laughs> you know, give me your car or I'll figure it out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was totally, it, it, it was so surreal almost because there you are looking at beautiful architecture listening to some of the kindest people that you'll ever meet and thinking but they were at war mm -hmm. and they were at war with each other and there was that little thing about Hitler <laughs> <laughs> so and, and, and in that way that's where the stories did come out, you know, not so much their feats, but what they were thinking at the time. And, you know, Mr. Bernat didn't, wasn't aware as much of, of as much propaganda as everybody else was. I mean, he couldn't be, he was on the battlefield, battlefield, yeah. you know? So when everybody in America is hearing about how many Jews were being killed and stuff, that was information that just did not go to the soldiers. They were the soldiers who were fighting for their country. They thought they were doing the right thing. Um, and again, mo a lot of them were friends with each other, um, like Rommel and Patton. It was that type of thing. Um, you know, years and years and years later, when I was in the army, and this was, you know, '85. You know, we were always in basic training we were going to kill Ivan kill Ivan and everything was you know communist you know communist communist and you start saying okay well you know that's a derogatory comment so if I call you a commie that you're going to be offended and another guy you know and he was actually outranked me he was a sergeant he was like so what's your beef against commies and I started thinking and he's like when you think about it they're only people too you know, we are being brainwashed to say, okay, commie, commie, kill, kill. When you're just, you know, that's what they understood back in World War One and World War Two. that later we've forgotten. And that, you know, that might be a, a reason why, the, you know, the nation has different views, you know, this day, yeah. as far as how to respect and stuff like that. Um, you know, he didn't have anything to apologize for. Mr. Bernat did, okay. did not. Um, but at the same time, he was apologetic. You know, they were aware that it was an atrocity. It should never, ever be repeated. And the reason it won't be repeated again in Germany is because they keep it at the forefront of their mind. They know that Hitler was wrong as far as that. When you were over there, did people really talk about it? Uh, w were they aware, or was it just one of those things that they wiped from the books? Um, no, they they, they would talk about it. They would talk about it freely, and no apologies, but um, a clean, concise awareness of how it was wrong. And they're all, you know, they're all in agreement that yes, that was wrong. Um, so 
it's not taboo to talk about. Um, now, a lot of people um, didn't know a lot. Um, it seemed like, well, I guess that's the way propaganda works, is that you always convince the people outside of your own area how wrong something is or how right something is. Um, and the people that are actually doing the work for you are oblivious to what's going on. You know, I mean, it's, it's almost like running a business. You know, the employees are actually what makes the company the money, but they know the least about whether or not, you know, I mean, my internet service last week closed. Nobody knew. So <laughs> I'm without an internet now. Yeah. Um, now somebody's going to take over. It's going to be Delmarva Wi-Fi, but Bay, Bar Bay Broadband, they closed down on June 3rd. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew? Now my wife works for the town of Chestertown. I told her yesterday. She's like, "Wow, I, I guess the only reason I'm affected is because they need to redo my router." Yeah. So, maybe if your router didn't have to be rerun, that you're still oblivious to the fact that they brought, you know, much like that is commonplace today. <laughs> That's how propaganda works. Wow. Yeah. Well, he blew up his router, so. Oh. I attached too many systems to it. Oh, is that I had, like, five game systems attached to it, and I blew out the entire wall. <laughs> um, how do you pronounce the, the Mr. Bilal? Um, I believe I'm it correctly. It's, um. I just don't want to mispronounce it. Erwin Banat. Okay. Um, I was just wondering, did you ever find out what his history was? He was. I do know he was in the infantry. Um, why Churchill was chosen? I mean, maybe you guys know, but I, because that's the question I had for Angenia. I was like, why Churchill, Maryland? The only answer I got was because it was close to um, water, the Chesapeake Bay, um, you know, Fort Meade over in Baltimore, and they targeted Churchill. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I think I think you mean why the POWs why, were here, right? Yeah. Why, okay. why did the government choose a POW camp to be in Churchill, Maryland? Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And so he was an infantryman, and how did you know how he got captured? Um, just his. I I don't know which uh, battle it was, or where it was located. He may have been talking to my father about it. Um, there was a lot of times where especially when it came to war. And I, I wasn't thinking with any foresight, but at the same time, my mom had just passed away a couple months before. Um, but there was a lot of times he had this, um, he had a son who was probably 14 or 15 at the time who was um, mentally challenged. But he was a cool kid. He, he was just a, a cool kid. So sometimes when... I love my father dearly, but when he gets on a discussion, he talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks. And, talks. and if you didn't have any, you know, I just gave them the opportunity to um, basically compare war stories. Yeah. Um, Why I played with, I thought for sure I had his picture. Yeah, there he is. Oh, that's his son? Yeah. That's, um, what was his name? His name was... I believe it was Carl. Um, his wife's name was Kate Carlson. Carlston, yeah. Kate Carlston and Erwin Bonat. But uh, like I said, he's just he was just a, a neat little kid. Um, I believe he worked in the automotive industry. Um, his, his house was, uh, was it his house? No, 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 it wasn't. I, I believe it was the automotive industry, but he had retired. The, their retirement is a lot like America's where you know you can 
join a company and you know work towards retirement um but i remember he drove a ford but it had german engineering <laughs> and um like the i don't know how <coughs> but for some reason they um something about the way the door swung on a car could actually be um that they used the same type of um idea for um windproofing houses and stuff like that so literally when you you know if you close the uh, car door of a mercedes you hear like a click mm -hmm. that's the way their their houses were i mean these doors because it's very mountainous and sometimes when it so the aerodynamics of so they set up all their houses and everything in this community but it was just very wonderful craftsmanship i believe he was an engineer with um i guess it was ford i, I it was a motor company though okay. yeah so did you have a closer relationship with your grandfather than you did with your father yes okay so very did, much so did his did your father and mr Bennett know each other that well mm -mm. as a matter of fact the day that my father met him was the day i'm telling you about um My father seemed to be more concerned after the war. He seemed to be more concerned with my um, my father's my grandfather's um, personal family than the war. Because um, <laughs> I mean, on the outside looking in, my grandfather got it along with everybody that I knew of with the exception of one person, and that was his half-sister, who literally, um, they lived in Brooklyn during the Depression. My grandfather had my father, and um, he had his, uh, had Kitty, his eldest daughter. Aunt Jenny wasn't born yet, but, you know, here it is it, during the Depression, and my grandfather is a cab driver for some cab company, wanting to be a cop but not you know they wouldn't bring him on the police force so uh he didn't have a whole lot of fares and what he did have was a house that he had with his his one sister and then um after he couldn't they couldn't make rent or they couldn't make the mortgage then his other sister came and bought a, the, up the house from out out from under him and kicked him out <laughs> literally kicked him out <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um you know there was a lot of animosity and apparently when after the war dad returned home but he made it a point before he because he graduated from washington college as well after the war yes oh, cool. yeah. <coughs> so after the war but before he went to college he went up to new york and brought his aunt back and granddad did have face-to-face -face conversations with him but never really you know patched things up I can't say that blame him either <laughs> yeah do you happen to know uh, what year your dad graduated we could look him up in a yearbook and maybe find some more about him um I yeah you, you his name was William Mulligan, William W. Mulligan. I know he was a Kappa Alpha. That can help. Um, he was in the same class as, or he was in the same, I don't know if they were in the same year, but Donald Durham, if you are if if you know any of the Kappa Alphas, Donald Durham was one of like the icons, apparently. I'm a part, I've got friends that are part of the Don uh, Alpha Delta Center. Yeah. Uh, is he one of the guys like that? I don't know if he founded it or gave a kidney to it, but <laughs> <laughs> to this day. There's probably a picture of him in there somewhere. Yeah, they have a lot of pictures of still relevant KAs. Yeah. Yes. I have a, a very close friend, uh, Seth Powell, and um, he and Sally also graduated from Washington College. But um, Seth was a Kappa Alpha, and, you know, he was, when we began our friendship I told him dad was as well and they 
you know, he had a lot of questions. But then when he asked the same question, I said, I don't know, but I know he knew Donald Durham. And Seth was like, Donald Durham? Oh, really? <laughs> like, celebrity status. <laughs> like, okay. Well, he um, he probably went back to school um, because he didn't know what else he wanted to do. Um, and with the GI Bill, you either use it or you lost it mm. back then. So he majored in history. And um, I don't know if his intention was to teach but um, he ended up working for the state of Maryland after, you know, several other jobs. He was selling, you know, he worked for Frank Perdue or Arthur Perdue for a little while. Frank Perdue for about a week. <laughs> um, <clears throat> then uh, in when my grandfather was 75, and my grandfather lived to be 98, but when he was 75, he um, got his right foot caught in a um, conveyor. And when he was trying to push a bale of hay up, and it literally started at the toes and started working his way up. And when it got up to this point, my grandfather passed out. But thankfully enough, um, a neighbor farmer heard the moans and oh, came yeah. and turned off the uh, conveyor. Um, but since that time, my, when that happened, my grand, my father wanted to move closer. Yeah. Um, this is after he graduated from Washington College. So we, um, we moved to Chestertown from uh, Dover. Okay. So after uh, graduation from Washington College, I believe my father um, first lived in Salisbury, I believe that's where he met my mom. I know they met in church. And I know that the Monsignor played the organ at the reception <laughs> at Johnny's and Sammy's in Salisbury. Um, from Salisbury, I believe they moved to Dover. And from Dover, they moved to Chestertown. Okay. And I was born in 1964. So I want to say their move to Chestertown was 60, 62 or so. Um, so you said that your, grand, your, your father didn't tell you a lot about the POW until 1990. That was when? Yeah. yeah. Did he tell you anything about World War II before that time? You know, in in bits and pieces, if I asked, okay. but it 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 wasn't a situation where he would uh, would say, "Tom, come here, I want to tell you about the war." Yeah. You know, he just wouldn't. From time to time, uh, he would have reunions with his uh, pilot and his uh, his other bombardiers, and um, every so often it would come up. But I don't know if I wasn't interested or. There just lot you know lack of frequency, um, but it just didn't seem to come up with. Then again, I was I'm one of six kids, so he had other <laughs> other kids to entertain and educate and sometimes beat. <laughs> <laughs> how did your dad find out about the peer? Like, how did your grandfather tell your father about? The yeah, I remember when when um. Aunt Jenny told me about, and she brought me the letters. I, you know, dad was right there, and she, he's like, oh, that's right. That's a good idea. So he had to have known about it. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't know why it never, it's, you know, looking back on it, you would think, especially since he was a history buff, and you would think that he would want to, see more of it but I don't know if he just didn't think I would be interested or if he just didn't want to I, I, I don't have the answer to the question but it's a question I've asked myself I, I would have I would have
probably wanted to at least take a look at Churchill. Just Aunt Jenny. I don't speak to my Aunt Kitty. Okay. There's just no reason. <laughs> um, but Aunt Jenny is the one who told me all the stories about the like the milk, milk oh, shed and okay. stuff like that. Um, because she was there, and she, I mean, so you are getting it third hand, you know, first from her to me to you. I don't know. Okay. I haven't heard of any. Okay. And when I ask the question, I get the same answer that I gave you. They don't know either. Okay. Um, I don't know how far apart they had to be kept, but I would. I'm still surprised that Churchill was selected as a POW camp. I don't. Um, I think the last letter that I wrote to him, I believe I was living in North Carolina, so that could not have been later than 92. Okay. Um, and my assumption is that, they, you can see by the pictures, he was about my father's age. My father died in 98, and he was 72 at that time. So my assumption is that he's, you know, it's hard to believe it was 25 years ago. Yeah, uh, I, I in, until this last week when I knew you were coming, I just started thinking. I said, "My gosh, it's been twenty five years." Well, it, they basically, um, it was my father that, you know, basically posed the question, you know, what was it like, you know, following Hitler? And much like I said to you, um, they, they were aware of Hitler, but <clears throat> as far as the atrocities and that type of stuff, it, it wasn't it wasn't their daily routine or at least it wasn't published i mean we we didn't have internet they didn't have you know so unless you're literally told um this is what's going on and even then if you are you, you're you may not want to believe what it is that's going on um because prior to hitler's rise germany was in dire straits they really were so initially, Hitler was very well liked by the Germans. There was a lot of pride in the country. Trains ran on time. You know, things started happening, and Germany started prospering. So, for the most part, people like Kate Bonat and Erwin Bonat, they were just aware of the good things that were going on. They were oblivious to what, you know, was actually taking place as far as the you know, concentration camps. You know, they wouldn't know it unless they saw it. Yeah. And there wasn't really an opportunity to see it. Yeah. And what did they ever say what they thought after they found out what happened? That's when, you know, they were apologetic without doing anything wrong. They, you know, they acknowledged the fact that it was heinous and it should never have happened. And in some cases, disbelief, but not to the fact that they didn't believe it it was just like oh my gosh how could this have happened well they'll they're free to talk about it okay. they're not going to um they just um it, it's not something that they would walk up and say hi my name is Erwin or Kate but not you know by the way this is my feeling about Hitler it's um they are very honest and they're very open and they will address you know, 
it when asked, but it's not something that they're just going to bring up just to break the ice. Um, they just, you know, most of that would be through my Aunt Jenny, and it was just a, um, you know, since there wasn't fighting yeah. to be done, you know, they were friendly with the POWs. They knew that they just went to school, came back, you know. But, yeah, it was like, okay, well, yeah, my brother's off in war. There's Erwin, there's so-and-so, there's, you know, some refugees. And it, they just took it all in stride because that's what they knew. Did your father ever tell you how he felt when the war ended? He, it, yeah, he, because of the fact that he thought he was going to die. Okay. You know, he was um, very relieved um, in a bittersweet way about Hiroshima and Nagasaki. But. Or Nagasaki, but again, you know, he, he knew he was going to die had it not been for that. <coughs> Pardon me, but um, you know, for the most part, coming back from the war also meant that you got to find a job or find out what you're going to do with your life. So, you know, my, you know, Washington College fit the bill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That just kind of yeah, and that was a uh, that was Gorbachev back then, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, because Ronald Reagan was like, well, yeah, yeah, he um, and and we did even ask him, you know, what's your views on Gorbachev? And he was like, well, you know, I see good points about him, and but it was just a very brief, brief conversation. Um, yeah, it's he was in awe with um like i i guess america you know i mean looking at the atlas and he was like okay well tell me about your where you live and this is where the farm is and america is a very big place and he was just overwhelmed with, with the size of america you know i don't know how many what the population was back 25 years ago but i'm you know he, he was just an in all of all the, you know, of everything. Um, and he was also kind of surprised. I remember one time we were walking down the city street and my father really needed to use the restroom. And um, it, he was like, okay, well, the universal language apparently is toilet. So <laughs> you, you look for signs indicating where a toilet might be. And you know, dad was on medication. Yeah, um, I think it was Cuban did. So it's a diuretic. So he really needed to be close to a bathroom. And it's like, oh, you know, can we just walk into a like a gas station or you know, because in America we can. Like, no, there's. And I looked up and I saw the golden arches, and I was like, Dad. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> and so Mr. Bernat was just like, How did you know? How did you know? I was like. It's Mickey D's, man. <laughs> I mean, how can you not know? <laughs> yeah, my mom was on Cuban Indians. Yeah. He did not. And I believe the reason he did not was because of his family back home and his uh, wife to be Kate. Oh, so they were engaged? I believe so. Um, I don't believe it. I don't believe he did. Okay. Uh, at least I don't remember. Um, it, it it it's funny because here we are, five of us. If you call now, Carlston, he just was oblivious to the whole thing. He, you know, but um, like <laughs> we had a uh, yeah, we had the four of us, all of us interested in 
our own particular things, trying not to, you know, step over each other and trying not to, you know, trying to be fair with each other. So the questions that we tried to pose, um, you know, in which order do we do it in which fashion without seeming you know, rude, yeah. you know? Because there was a, a few times where um, I remember thinking, Dad, he just answered that question. <laughs> he just did. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, so, you know, we all had our curiosities and we wanted to also educate. But it was almost like we were, I know for me, it was like a, a conflict of what do I want to do? Do I want to educate or do I want to learn? And, and I can't do both of them at once, so. Yeah. Did Mr. Panowski speak English? Oh, oh, only through uh, his oh. book. So that must have been hard. Yeah, a lot of times it was. Okay. Um, and that's another thing that you're trying to, you know, to be aware of, you know, without being offensive, um, not to use slang. And oh, yeah, yeah. When was the last time? You made a simple sentence without using a slang word. Probably was like 10 years ago. Yeah, I, I, I honestly cannot remember. I just did it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, so I know with me, the only foreign language I took was French, and I learned enough to insult somebody and yeah. count to 10. So if I were going to go through the French or the English-French di dictionary, I, not being aware of their slang, if I want to find the word for yes, and there's yes, yeah, something like, I'm lazy, I'm going to find, I'm going to look up yes, or I'm going to say we. Oui. Yeah. You know, there might be a yeah somewhere, but I'm, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but most of it was was just like I had said. Well, my mom was a great cook, and she was. She she was a great cook. Um, so that went a long way. I mean, you could eat the same thing literally for a week and still love what you're eating um, if if it's from a good cook. But um, there, he was so appreciative for that. But you know, because it just you know. A lot of the POWs who weren't treated as well literally lost hope. They had nothing to hope for. I mean, they knew what they were going to return to. Um, those that were fortunate enough to have some compassion at least had a shred of hope, you know, a little bit of dignity. I mean, growing up, I learned love and respect, you know, love to allow for someone else dignity. It doesn't mean like or get along with it means love you know allow for the dignity of that person yeah. um, that's pretty much what my grandparents did and it, it was an act of loving an individual you know um, so yeah they what and it, and words can't describe the the appreciation that he had I mean he knew that he was able to entertain my father and I only because of the graciousness of my grandfather and grandmother. Yeah. Um, but, man, he really did return the favor, in my opinion. Because, I mean, it just... I, I, I could not get over how decent th they were. And the whole... Now, we didn't talk to anybody else. We didn't know anybody else. But everybody was just so very, very pleasant. I mean... I guess I expected goose-stepping and a lot of, uh, you know, brutality. Well, not brutality, but, you know, just mean, yeah. mean, um, snooty people. And I was pleasantly wrong. They were just warm. And, you know, as long as they can help you or get over the communication um, gap that you might have with, um, you would have a great time talking to them, you know, 
but my stepson just went there <coughs> last year and uh you know he pretty much said the same thing i mean they're very 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 nice decent human beings and you know like he he said the same thing yes they will talk about you know the holocaust and yes they will own up to it as a nation and no they will never forget it but most of them weren't alive <laughs> in today's world but I, I think that's pretty much the difference between the two. Um, you know, we had uh, slavery, which a lot of the slavery has been distorted in the last 30 years. Um, now, I'm not saying it was the right thing to do, but I am saying there was a need for it until the need was gone. Um, that's when the problem started. <laughs> um over voting rights more so than whether or not they were human beings um, but in America we distort a lot of the facts depending on where our opinion is um, in Germany they recognize where they went wrong and not um, another example within the last week I went to my stepson's high school graduation and my other stepson's eighth grade final per band performance. Aww. When it came to saying the Pledge of Allegiance at the high school, no one was directed to where the flag was. They were told to stand. Some of them put their hand over their heart, but nobody made mention that the flag was actually on the back wall. So everybody's facing forward at the stage saying the Pledge of Allegiance with the flag behind it. So they were never told. At the um, eighth grade recital, uh, when they played the Star Spangled Banner, we were asked to rise and put our hands over our hearts. But nobody was told that there was an American flag up on the stage to the left. So you have a bunch of people just looking around but part of respecting the flag is to face it when you're saying the Pledge of Allegiance or the Star Spangled Banner. So our education system, I mean, we're, we're trying to compete with the Chinese and the Koreans and everybody else in science, technology, engineering, and math. And we're losing our history and we're distorting it to a point where we have today's world. remember the last time I did in school oh mine was high school really I had to say in high school I believe I was a substitute teacher in 2007 I believe that's right and as a substitute teacher at the beginning of class um, over the intercom um, they were saying the Pledge of Allegiance and I told everybody to stand up one of the students didn't stand up and I said stand up and put your hand on your heart and he said a couple choice words and he walked out and he went down to the principal who then came and talked to me and asked me if I uh, told him to stand up and I said yes I did he said if you do that again you're fired because you were um, infringing on the students rights and I said you don't have to fire me you just have to find another substitute and I left A lot of good people died for that flag. Yeah. You know. A lot of that's the thing is a lot of people don't know that or they don't take the time to know that. Right. So it's uh, and I remember like I I didn't I studied abroad in high school a little bit. That was the first time I learned about Global One was because high school, my high school did not teach me that at all. Uh -huh. And then when I went over there because it's it was such a bigger deal. I don't want to say a bigger deal, but in France it was like the devastation was there mm -hmm. their soldiers died and their families were destroyed so it's a very important thing to them but here it's like we were away from that right we were still devastated but not in the same way so we just don't think about it right so yeah all right uh the only other thing was did mr bernard ever say what it was like in the camp itself when he wasn't on the farm 
You know, he had to, but I don't, I don't know what that response was. He, he, he must have said something. Um, I, you know, a lot of it, if you're talking about his experience since, is your question, what was it like before he went to my grandparents' farm? Yeah, that, 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 I'm sure there was other farmers who were good to the POWs. I gotta, I gotta think that's true. It's the only way I could probably get through the next day <laughs> if I find decency. Um, I just know that there were a lot who weren't treated well and were just uh, stayed with the bread and water regime, and they did not have a lot of hope. Yeah. So the comparison between, oh well you know the decency that my grandparents showed and those not receiving that same type um yeah you you could you could tell which ones were which yeah um which you know i gotta think that whoever was keeping surveillance or, or keeping watch to make sure that they were following the bread and water regime either turned a blind eye or just you know didn't really care because I, I mean, I, I, I know if I saw someone treating somebody else in a human fashion, I wouldn't report it. I don't, yeah. you know, I, I just wouldn't. Did your father or your grandfather, or do you personally know, like, can you um, assess that? Yeah. Um, you know, I remember Dad saying it more than once, where the reason my uh, grandfather would have done what he did was because he wasn't afraid of the crowds. Um, you know, back then you could call a German a kraut, and it wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, discrimination or disrespect. It was just grouping them with other Germans. So there was a lack of fear, but there was a lot of anger. I mean, at Pearl Harbor, it was on a Sunday. People were coming back from church. We were not... It, 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 it's the closest comparison you can make is you know nine eleven because we were not invading we were not harming nothing there was no reason for the attack on Pearl Harbor or to blow up buildings filled with workers behind computers you know their act uh, act of aggression was wrong for that plus like I said we were neutral for World War Two. You know, it was on a Sunday. All our planes were on the ground, literally on the ground. And that's what FDR couldn't get over. So, yeah, there was a lot of Americans, including my grandfather and my father, who were very angry at the Japanese. Oh, my gosh. That is one of the things that drives me crazy today. And, and I'm not saying that he wanted to. As a matter of fact, he didn't. He begged them, the Japanese, do not make me do this. We have the bomb and we will use it. Do not. We, it will kill and it will devastate all of you. Please don't make us do this. And they didn't believe that he had access to the bomb or they taunted him in some way and said, okay, here you go. I hear about the fact that radiation sickness is still going on in Japan. And my question is, what about the Bataan Death March? You know, what about the, t the, the tortures of the POW? What about that? They're not learning about that. In Japan? They're not learning that here in America. Two years ago, my, uh, no, it wasn't two years ago. It was last year. Um, my eldest stepson said, um, 
teacher in New York got fired because she gave the assignment of tell us what um, tell us the um, tell us what Hitler did. Why was Hitler? Why why is it that hit, what Hitler did was, was a good thing? Uh, let me rephrase that. <clears throat> Your assignment is an essay of telling us what was right about Hitler, something of that nature. And this teacher got fired. And I explained to Mitch, I was like, Mitch, you know, when I was growing up, we would have to do papers like that, not because we were thinking that it was right, but because it will drive home to a point that you'll never forget of why it was so damn wrong for Hitler to do. So the reason for the assignment is to create that awareness of what never to do again. And sometimes that's what it takes to keep history factual rather than distorted. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at what's going on in today's the hot but today's world, the hot buttons are discrimination, racism, illegal immigration, or immigration. Whether or not the immigrants are going to be counted as you know, what they're going to receive, but nobody's. Nobody's looking at the procedures in place or the policies in place or the actual reason the law was written in the first place. The law is based on an individual man, a reasonable man. That's what the, the law is based on in every issue, whether it's criminal or civil, it is based on a reasonable, reasonable man, not a group of people. So everybody's saying, well, I'm a homosexual American or I'm a African American or a Jewish American or nobody's American anymore. So everybody's having a distorted image of what they are and why the government or people like me owe them for something. I mean, I never whipped anybody and my ancestors were dying of hoof and mouth disease during <laughs> the 1860s. I had nothing to do with it. You know, but we have today's world where people are just, yeah, my opinion is because they overlook, they overlook the, the facts and unlike Germany, they won't learn from their mistakes. You know, Germany will never do, I, I firmly believe they will never allow that to happen again. If they were to have a leader and they were to see a red flag, boom, yep. He would be out very quickly. But, I mean, in, in this day and age, in our political center, uh, what was it, three years ago, uh, Trevon Martin? Yeah. During the, um, during gun, con it was a gun control debate yeah. where a uh, congressman walks in with a hoodie and a bag of Skittles up on the stage and then was removed um, because of the improper attire. I mean, that's, that's what our political system is like today. I mean, whatever happened to the presumption of in innocence that everybody should have? Not to mention that it was over gun control. So why throw racism into it? You know? This doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, I grew up, you know, and Dad made sure that I was aware of this, that with everything, especially politics, there is a process. There is a political process. You follow the process, and this is what you can expect, and there's no awareness of that, what that process is anymore. Mm -hmm. Now it's a... Now Somebody goes into politics making 145000 as a freshman senator in three years is over a millionaire? That, come on. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's frustrating. It, it really is. It's very frustrating yeah. from your standpoint. I yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm very frustrated. I think, if you, I think at this point you can't live in America and not be frustrated. No, I know. Yeah, so. Yeah. Is there anything else that we didn't ask that you want to 
I mean, most of when I was reviewing it, most of it's like architecture and landscape. I didn't even have the sensibility to take a picture of his own house. But <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, we were in the Black oh. Forest region. We were in um, Heidelberg. Wow. I thought that was kind of neat. Um, and like I said, there was a, these castles and these palaces are just absolutely gorgeous. The detail to that. Yeah. That's beautiful. I mean, it's just you can everything is art. Yeah. Would you mind if I photographed a couple of these? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Yeah, I think we're